Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the privilege to be in your house and the privilege to once again set as the centerpiece tonight in this holy place, your word. And God, from that word, we just set the trajectory of our lives and our future and ask you to help us and strengthen us by the power and the, and the presence of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you can be seated in the fear of the Lord. This evening we are going to continue with our study on the uh, book of James. Last Wednesday night we started this and I just ask those that would join me in reading through the book of James. It's a short book, uh, five chapters, I think 108 verses or so. It's not a big request. And uh, you can read each chapter in just a few minutes, probably the entire book in about 20 minutes. And uh, so it, it wouldn't, wouldn't take very long to familiarize yourself with that. And it'll be well worth those few minutes for sure. And so if you could just make reading the book of James, perhaps even a chapter of that book, a part of your daily reading, it will be a blessing to you. Amen. Many people have great faith and confidence in their faith until it is tested. Amen. We feel like we have faith until our faith is tested. And um, sometimes hardships and disappointments, they're just part and parcel of life. And there's no way around it. And that is not anything less than by design. God is in control. He is at the helm. I mentioned a few services ago, maybe just a service or so ago, about a friend of mine who was facing a uh, just a very, very formidable mountain, and he said, I don't have anywhere else to turn but God, and nowhere else to go but God. And with that, he interjected, I can't think of a better place to be. Amen. Even though there's great um, trepidation in his voice, and rightly so, if we were faced with that, we would certainly feel the same way. But to have the courage and the confidence to know that we do have a reliable source. And so we are not given to, given to the whelms of the wind, but we are in the hands of the Almighty. Amen. So how a person uh, handles trouble and peril reveals whether or not our faith is genuine. That's the end of the day. In the parable of the sower, Jesus explained that the seeds that fell on rocky soil were people that heard the word readily, they received it at first, but they had no firm root. They had nothing to keep them against the perilous times and seasons of life. They believe for a while, but then in the times of testing, they fall away. Amen. 
However, he contrasted that against the seed and the good soil. And they are the ones that also heard the word, but they hold it fast. Amen. I say a lot of times when we are concluding a service in our closing prayer and asking the Lord to seal the word that we have heard. I do that intentionally because the scripture talks about even in this parable that if that seed is cast by the wayside and nothing is done with it, then the enemy is going to come by and steal that seed lest it take root. And so I pray sincerely, Lord, seal what we have heard in our heart. Don't let that just be left uh, to the to the woes of the wind or time or circumstance, but seal that word. Everybody that lives in this world, everybody will have some measure of trouble, and that is to be sure. We look across the aisle sometimes and across the street, across town, and we look at people whose um, endearing smile seems to to say everything is well. We've never had a rainy day, but I'm gonna tell you that everybody in this world has problems. I don't know anyone that doesn't have problems, young or old. That is a consequence, a direct consequence of man's fall in the Garden of Eden and trouble and trials are a natural result of our own sinful nature. It's just who we are. Job's, uh, Job's friend, Eliphaz, well understood this fact when he said, yet man is born to trouble as sparks fly upward. <laughs> Amen. Man is born unto trouble as sparks fly upward. Have you ever had sparks flying? <laughs> sure we have. Amen. In reply to another friend, Job himself said, man, is born, man who is born of woman is few, a few days and full of trouble. It just doesn't take long for trouble to introduce itself into our lives and it's a part of who we are. And I wanna say out of the gate here tonight that we're not just gonna try to paint your world dismally gray and then just leave it in that condition. We're going somewhere this evening, so stay with me. The writer Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 2 and 7, therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Now, if you don't really understand the writer of that particular verse, you could probably easily take that verse out of context. But when we understand the man behind the pen who said, I hated life, I hated life. He is a man who had everything known to man. He had access to everything. The wisest, the most wealthy, the Lord said, there, will ne there has never been a man like unto you and there never will be a man like unto you. And so Solomon occupied a very unique position in life and is well qualified to make a statement of this nature. He said, it's all just vanity and vexation of the spirit. Later in verse 23 of that same, of that same chapter, he says, for all his days are sorrow and his travail grief, yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This also, this is also vanity. So, here is the conclusion of the matter tonight, that just because we're in the church and because we have been filled with the presence and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it doesn't make us exempt from trouble. 
Our name can just as easily fill the slot of the headline just as well as anybody else's name because we are in this world, in this Adamic nature, in this body of flesh. As a matter of fact, the very, the very best things in life have often always been associated with trouble. They have trouble that has gone hand in hand with them. For instance, you, you cannot love not one single person, whether that's your spouse or your own children, without having your heart hurt in the process. Amen. It, it seems very, very odd, but it is the truth. Amen. So the closest person associated in our lives, whoever that may be, our love for them is also tied to problems and hurt and pain and sorrow. And so we open our lives and our heart to trouble in those particular instances. And I know that we expect an occasional problem here and there, and that doesn't quite take us by surprise. We can understand that occasionally you're going to have trouble on your job or there's going to be trouble in the world or trouble in the community or even trouble in our family. And to be sure, there will even be times of trouble in the church. We kind of brace ourselves for those seasons of life because it's part of life and we're dealing with other human beings. Trouble, it would seem, sometimes is just a constant companion. We're born to it. We are literally born to it. However, James begins his letter by informing the church that trouble, although as unpleasant as it may be and unfriendly as it may be, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Amen. As a matter of fact, he begins the second verse of James 1 with a command that at first glance seems somewhat odd. And I know we've all read this passage of scripture and perhaps all of us have read it with a perplexed look on our countenance, our face. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or when you fall into various temptations. And so tonight I want us to just look at some of the lessons that, that James is giving us here just practical lessons, and that's what we're talking about. He starts out with the admonition that we should take note that all the trouble and all the things that come into our life, he says to count it all joy, count it all joy. And so let's deal with the language first that he is using here for just a moment. The Greek word that is translated temptation here is a word that basically means trying, are testing. In the current verse, it's better translated perhaps trials rather than temptations. Trials or troubles or things that come along that just simply test our faith. They kind of pull at the fabric of who we are. And so James just opens his letter to the church by saying we should expect trials. You should expect things that come into our life. He's not saying if something were to come along or if you were to fall, but he's saying when you fall into various temptations or tests, when those things come. And so the idea conveyed here is that trials and troubles are not just a possibility, but they are inevitable. Amen. You walk just a few miles and you will have some peril, some things to deal with. And so Jesus warned his disciples in John 16 and 33, in the world ye shall have tribulation. Paul told his converts in Acts 14, he said, we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. 
And so there is a fight that is associated with this spiritual journey. And by virtue of the fact that we are descendants of Adam, we need to come to terms with the idea that we are just born into a world that is filled with problems. But James is not just going to point out all the problems. He's not just going to point out all the crises of life and then close the book. But he's going to tell us how to deal with that and how to rationalize that in our lives. Satan fights us, the world opposes us, and, and, and life at best just happens. Sometimes we're trying to figure out the answers to why. And sometimes there is no real answer. It's just life. It is just life. I heard uh, recently of uh, of a couple who were facing some, uh, uh, another couple that was facing some just serious tribulation in their own, not only their walk with God, but in their lives naturally. And he said, you know, I just looked at my wife and I said, it's just our turn. <laughs> oh, we, we see the fires burn over in somebody else's field and we think, my, my, my. And I thought when he, when he told me that a few months ago, when he told me that it's just our turn, it's just our turn. I thought, what a way to rationalize that in your mind. It's, 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 we haven't done something wrong. Amen. We're not out of the will of God. God's not trying to hex us or curse us. It's just our turn. And through it all, we discover that making it through life can sometimes be a battle. Sometimes things come unexpectedly and and completely surround us and we realize in a moment of time that there are at least we feel like there is no way out but there is a way out and that way out is to go through it. Amen. You just have to go through some things. I realize we're not jumping and running tonight but that's, that's all right. We need to get something in our heart. Some things you just have to deal with them by going through them. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so I say, keep walking tonight. That's how you get through it. I have often, and I'm not sure my philosophy is right, but many times we've been on the interstate when the rains were just perilous and people were pulling over and I've always felt that was, it's dangerous either way, but I just think if we can just slow down and just, it's not raining everywhere. Just slow down and keep driving, keep a safe pace and eventually you're gonna come out of this. You will come out of this. And so I think there are times spiritually that we have to slow down and maintain a, a safe pace, but we will come through this because sometimes you can't get around it or over it. You just have to walk through it. Amen. So to be sure, all the trials and the troubles of life are not all alike and what some families go through or individuals go through not necessarily mean that's what somebody else is going to go through. Sometimes people go through things that are completely unique to them. That doesn't mean that somewhere else in the world or somewhere else around us that others are not going through them or through those similar situations, but we may not always be associated or, or be acquainted with someone who's ever walked the exact journey that we are on. Amen. But the weaver, as I've often said, that works on the tapestry, they work mainly from the backside, the underside, the back, the underside of the tapestry is not all that beautiful. It's not all that defined. The patterns are obscure and the loose threads 
Uh, they just dangle and in the same way that's how we often look at life we can only see it from our perspective and that's understandable but we have to have faith that God is just and he understands exactly what he is doing and he is looking at this from a completely different perspective what we see is a tragedy could very well be God just trying to open a door or pierce the veneer of someone's heart maybe even ours to speak to us The Lord told Israel in Jeremiah 18 and 6, he said, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand. What a comfort. What a comfort that if you know the story of Jeremiah 18, that the vessel that the potter was working on became marred in the hand of the potter. But what a great place to become marred. You're in the hand of, it's like breaking down right in the mechanic's yard. Amen. Amen. I mean, if it had to happen, what a great place for it to happen. We're right here in the hand of someone that can take care of it. It seems like a crisis to us, and perhaps it is, but in the hand of the potter, he can take it, and he can mold it, and he can make it again, a vessel as it seems pleasing to him. And so he's the potter, and we're the clay. He shapes our life and molds us and makes us, and if we're not careful, we will run the risk of judging the product before it's finished. I've always admired my wife's ability to see something unfinished finished. And so I've had to learn through the years to just go ahead and paint that third wall that weird color. Amen. It it doesn't make sense right now. But she knows that it will. And when she hangs the final thing in, it's all going to connect. And as she says, now it flows. (laughs) There's going to flow. It's all going to connect. It's all going to make sense because we're pulling from here and we're pulling from there. And it's all going to make sense in time right now. And I have been guilty of judging those unfinished projects and others have been guilty, they themselves, of walking in and seeing something half done or three-fourths of the way done and don't understand all the missing elements. But God knows all of those missing elements and he for sure is going to put them in. Amen. So our lives are not the product of chance. Amen. We're not just given to the whims of the roll of the dice but God is at the helm of our lives and he knows exactly what we're doing and where he is going to take us. And so we don't accidentally stumble into the circumstances that James is referring to referring to here. Amen, they, they seemingly in our lives at least come upon us unexpectedly, but we serve a God who neither sleeps nor slumbers, but watches over us. Nothing takes God by surprise. It may shock us, but nothing takes God by surprise. And so I have confidence that the Lord who saw all of this coming has an answer for this already. Already, The key word in verse two is the word count. It's a financial term. It means to evaluate. Paul used it several times in the book of Philippians chapter three. When Paul became a, a Christian, he evaluated his life. He set new goals and adjusted his priorities. Things that were once important to him were now unimportant all of a sudden in light, of course, of his experience with the Lord And so when we face the trials of life, we have to evaluate those trials in light of what God is doing for us. I don't know. 
all the time what God is doing in my life, but I have confidence that he is taking this that I'm walking through and he is working it for his glory and edification and my good. Amen. So the instruction is to count it all joy. Amen. Amen. That instruction is an imperative. That's not a suggestion because joy is not in the natural human response to trouble. That's not how we just generally approach trouble. Amen. I, I don't like trouble. I don't like confrontation. I do everything that I can do to avoid it. Amen. Because I see trouble for what it is. It's trouble. I'm not real deep. I have enough sense to know what trouble looks like. Amen. Trouble is just trouble. And so it's hard for me to be giddy about trouble. And those phone calls that announce another problem or a situation, and, and you just can't hardly find the joy in that. I've found lost sleep in that. Amen. But we can't find the joy in those things. That's not our natural That's not our natural response to it. And so when James says count it, he's not suggesting that that's an instruction. Count this as joy. Count it joy. And so if we consider that even in the midst of trouble, God is orchestrating something in our lives. And then when we understand that, it is easier for us to have joy. The Lord was our example in this. The Bible said in Hebrews 12 and 2, who for the joy that was set before him. That's not an incidental, nor is it an accidental statement because we're talking about Calvary's cross, the cruelest death known to man, but who for the joy that was set before him. He understood beyond the cross. He understood beyond the suffering. He understood what he was giving birth to. And so that's what we had to focus our time and attention on. Our values determine our evaluations. So if we can value comfort more than we value character, then trials are going to upset us. But if we understand that God is chipping away some things in our life, molding and forming and shaping. And, and so if we value material and physical more than spiritual, then it's gonna be very difficult to count it all joy. But when we put our faith and our trust and our confidence in the fact that God is not in the business of picking on me, he gets no glory or, 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 or uh, he gets no satisfaction out of just trying to chisel me down to nothing, but God is trying to work something out in my life. And so then I can count it all joy. If we live only for the present, then we forget the future and then we run the risk of trials making us bitter and not better. Job had the right outlook in the 23rd chapter. Job said this in verse 10, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. So James instructs us that when trials come, we should be joyful. He's not talking about some forced demeanor of joy. Please understand me. He's not asking us to clap our hands and act silly and giddy. Not at all. That's not what James is is referring to, but he's admonishing us to look at our trials through the eyes of faith. Amen. Now how... Is it possible to rejoice in the midst of trials? The third verse contains the second command that explains this. And so here's where I think James is ultimately going. In James 1 and 3, he says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So the key word in all of this is the word knowing. Knowing carries the idea of a full understanding of something. Something... 
that is beyond uh, merely assumption, but it's a full understanding of something. Now stay with me for just a moment because I want to read you a passage of scripture that perhaps can bring that statement into focus. Amen, it's this kind of knowing that James refers to that is the end product of a personal experience. So he's not talking about knowing in the hope of faith or knowing in the, in the context of maybe so, I hope so, but he's talking about knowing in the context of experience. I know because I have been there. Amen. Jesus used the word, the same word in Mark 13 and 28. And this is what Jesus said here in Mark 13, 28. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know, you know that summer is near. Amen. Now this is something that you know from experience. Now, Amen, here it is. Amen, when its branch has already become tender and put forth its leaves, you know from experience that summer is near when a tree begins to bud. Amen, we know that spring is in the air and the next thing that's coming is a season of summer. How do we know that? We know that only by experience. Amen. That's what James is looking at. You can read textbooks on it. You can, you can study all sorts of material on it. But there are many in this house that have experienced this. You know that when the leaves are tender and green and the blooms begin, it's spring is in the air and we know that summer is on its way. Nothing could take that out of our mind. Nothing could convince us. Otherwise, we know that to be the truth. Amen. And so when God called Abraham to live by faith, he tested him in order to try or increase his faith. The testing of our faith, I believe by the same token, proves that we are truly born again because testing works for us, not against us. Now, I know there's a few exceptions for what I'm about to say, but for the most part, people dread tests. I know there's those weirdos that, you know, I went to school with some of those. All right, this test. But everybody else, for the most part, were dreading those times, dreading those seasons. But the teacher wasn't setting us up for failure. The instructor wasn't trying to wash us down the road or run us aground. They were trying to prove that there is something there. It's there. Amen. The knowledge is there. You've been studying. We've been talking about it. We have been, we have been taking some preliminary tests along the way. And so we're now about to prove that the, 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 the pudding is in there. The ingredients are there. It's all there. You have what it takes. It works for us and not against us. The word trying can be translated approval. Again, Peter helps us to understand this a little better in 1 Peter 1 and 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth. Amen. The trying of your faith, that's more precious than gold that perishes. A gold prospector, when they mine this ore out of the ground, they have what they assume is gold. They have what they hope is gold. Amen. But there is one stop along the way. There is a proofing stop. They're going to have to go to the assayer's office. Amen. There, the ore, there, whatever they have brought has to be tested. Amen. 
And the sample itself may not be worth very much right now. It's just filled with hope. It's filled with desire. It's filled with what I think is going to be. It's filled with what I hope is going to be. Amen. But the man who knows, amen, the man that will do the test is going to give something, a nod, a wink. Amen. He's going to do something, an approval. And at that moment of approval, what was worth maybe just a few dollars a moment ago now may be worth a million but it's first must be tested and so there tonight in this room there's a lot of hope amen there's a lot of hope so's amen there's a lot of we're counting on it but it first must be placed in the hand of the one that can ultimately test it and right now it may be worth a little but when we get the handshake amen of the master that knows that the test and the product is pure that our faith when I have come through amen when I have come through it's going to be much more precious than gold. Praise God. And so God's approval of our faith is so precious, so valuable because it assures us that it's real. It's real. Paul said in Romans 8 and 28, and we know that all things work together for good. Trials, rightly used, of course, help us mature. But often it's in our immaturity that we're impatient. Amen getting ahead of God and impatience and unbelief generally go hand in hand just like faith and patience do. Hebrews 6 and 12, reading in part, be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In Hebrews 10, 36, for you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God you might receive the promise. Isaiah 28 and 16, he that believeth shall not make haste. And when there's just gonna be something about solid faith that just kind of holds us, grounds us where we are. God wants to make us patient because he knows that that is the key to every other blessing in our life. When we learn to wait on the Lord, then God can do great things. We've watched people in scripture and we've watched people in life that got ahead of God. They were born out of season. Abraham got ahead of the Lord with his wife Sarah, had a child with Hagar, and brought sorrow, brought great sorrow, not just to his home, but to the world. Moses ran ahead of God, murdered a man, spent 40 years with sheep learning patience. Amen. The Lord said, let me put you over here for a little while. 40 years, 40 years. because we can read the scripture in just a few minutes, we lose track of time, 40 years. And then he has this burning bush experience. God didn't leave him there and forget him, but he said, I gotta work some of your flesh out of you. Peter almost killed a man in his impatience in John 18, and the Lord had to fix all of that wrong. And so the only way the Lord can develop patience and character in us is is we just have to go through some things. You just have to experience some things. We would love to take all the problems and, and things out of life. We, would, we think we would at least. We would love to remove all the difficulties out of the path of, of people that we love, but it's just not practical, and sometimes we just have to go through it. 
And so endurance can't be attained by reading a book or listening to a sermon or even worshiping or praying a prayer. We gotta go through some things and learn how to trust him and learn how to obey him. And and the result of that is gonna be patience and character. We, We know that trials will do in us and for us and we know what the end result will, will be and that, that end result is gonna bring glory to God. This fact explains why studying the Bible helps us to grow in patience. We read about Abraham and Joseph and Moses and David and even the Lord and we realize, as we realize that God has a purpose for the things that they were going through. We think of men like Joseph and all the things that he encountered and it didn't make sense. It couldn't have made sense to Joseph while he was walking in it day by day and living in it frame by frame. But we read it now and understand that God had a reason for you being here. I have you here because I'm trying to get you there. But I gotta teach you something here so that you'll appreciate here. (laughs) Amen. And so some of the things that we go through in life give us a great appreciation for what we have later. Faith is like gold. It stands certainly the test of fire. And without this approval standard of faith, trials would not yield what God is desiring from the, to yield. It would just be ash. And so truth, faith, therefore, works or it develops perseverance or it develops staying power. <laughs> perseverance is inseparable from holiness. Amen. It's a life that is consistently... Um, or a life that is consistently immoral and unspiritual cannot possibly persevere. But when we have our lives aligned with the word of God, we have patience and endurance that is woven into the fabric of our spirit. Amen. And so if, as our musicians come, I want to conclude with a few uh, closing remarks here. We think about in our nation and around the world the devastating effect that counterfeiting has not just economically but we just think about the major problem that is in our society people that forge money or fake credit cards or jewelry and works of art it runs into the millions and millions and millions of dollars virtually Anything of value can be passed off as genuine to deceive an unsuspecting buyer. Almost anything. Consequently, valuable commodities must be carefully examined to determine one thing, whether or not it's real. And so when you go through line in a grocery store or some place of business and you hand the cashier a bill, they take a pen and they write across it because they're just trying to determine one thing, is this real? Is this real? It's got to be tested. And so the true character of a Christian is revealed in the trying times. When everything goes wrong, we find ourselves in those tests and those trials. This is when God is working in us to mature us, causing us to grow. It's also in these times that God shows us his grace, his love, and his provision, not only to us, but if I may say, that's when he shows it through us to the world around us. When life just comes at you hard, but you just keep standing. Not as some superhero, but you just keep standing. 
and your friends and your neighbors, they perhaps know what's going on in your life, but they see you Sunday morning still leaving and you're coming to the house of God and Wednesday night and, and they just see you always in town and you've got, I'm not talking about a, an artificial smile, but you just have something in your heart called joy that just holds you. Not because all is well, but because you know God is working a greater thing in our lives. Let's stand together if we can. So the lesson to be learned from James is simply this. Count it all joy when you face trials. And here's the key, knowing, knowing, I know. Amen. But when we, using the illustration of Jesus' Jesus's example, when you see the tender leaf and you see the bloom, you know that summer is coming. You know, you know. There are some things that people that have been walking with the Lord for a little while, you just couldn't wrestle that out of their hand no matter what you tried because they know, they know. They've already lived through too many springtimes to not know that summer is next. And so there are some things that we know. And so as we walk with God and mature in the Lord, we know that God is in control. We know that. We know that. Amen. We know that God orders our footsteps in his word. We know that our life proceeds according to his plan. Knowing, knowing causes us to trust him. To trust him. You heard Brother Rayleigh a moment ago mention a prayer request a prayer request concerning the Pamer family and the Mike Williams family. Paul and Brooke Pamer today suffered a tremendous loss in their life. Their child passed away. Amen. It was a long illness, and I would not say unexpected, but it doesn't take away the pain. Amen. But to talk to those men today and to hear their statements of confidence that God is going to keep them Amen. Not pretentiously, not crossing our fingers, but just let God's will be done here and hold us. That doesn't happen overnight. You have to walk through some things before you know you know. Amen. Our dear friend, Brother Rayleigh here, spent his lifetime as a mechanic There's probably some other men here in the church, even maybe some men somewhat mechanically inclined, but you're probably probably going to have to look at the the bolt and you may have to go get a socket or two or three and, and, and put it on there and fit, see if it, but I guarantee you, from all of the years he's spent, he can look and tell you that's a nine sixteenths. That's a five eighths, that's a three quarter. You couldn't convince him no other way. Not because he's stubborn. No, he's not stubborn. That was just a rumor that got out. You couldn't convince him otherwise because he knows. I've just been here too many times. And so I know with confidence. 
And so tonight, James is not asking us to be silly and witty and, and just try to giggle even though our world is falling apart. He said, count it joy. Knowing that God is at work. There's a bigger hand. There's a larger hand painting on this canvas than what we can see. And tonight, beyond just one or two prayer requests, there are several very, very trying situations that are represented even here tonight or associated to people here tonight. And so we need to know that God is in control. And so I'm going to rest in his arms even though it doesn't make sense. And I'm going to put my hope and my confidence in him. And can I tell you by faith and according to the book that's in front of me tonight, when you come through this, you will know more assuredly than you have ever known. And we will be settled in our spirit. Lord, I love you today. I ask you tonight, God, to touch our hearts. Strengthen us, God. We do not want to be whimsical in our walk with you. We do not want our faith to be tossed as the wind and the waves. But God, we want our lives and our steps to be established. Steps, God, that will be foundational. Steps, God, that will be sure, that will hold us true. We're going to put our trust, our confidence in you tonight. Our hope is not in the shifting sands of this world in its time, but our hope is in your word, God, that is forever settled, always established. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.